This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby returns on Thursday. We've talked a number of times on Fight Back about how COVID-19 has affected cancer patients waiting for diagnoses and treatment. The 80,000 Canadians living with bladder cancer are among them. And that's why funding toward this year's Bladder Cancer Awareness Walk is more important than ever. Longtime listeners to Zoomer Radio will know that I'm an advocate for Bladder Cancer Canada in memory of my mom, Sandy, who died with the disease in 2012. Primarily driven by volunteers, Bladder Cancer Canada continues to fund much-needed research and provide much-needed support for bladder cancer patients. Ferg Devins is the chair of Bladder Cancer Canada. He's also a survivor. And Dr. Alex Lada is director of Euro-Oncology at Mount Sinai Hospital, a professor at the University of Toronto and a member of Bladder Cancer Canada's Medical Research Research Board. Welcome to you both. Thank you, Jane. Great to be here. Good afternoon. Ferg, I'll begin with you. Uh, Walks are taking part individually and in small teams in neighbourhoods across the country all during the month of September. Your walk was yesterday, so how did it go? Well, I'm up in Kenora on beautiful Lake of the Woods, and uh, my wife and I started out early in the morning, and we visited with neighbors on our island as we walked along and had about half a dozen people from their family pod join us, and we raised, raised up to Blueberry Hill here on Coney Island and uh, had a wonderful day. Uh, I'm currently sitting at just over $30,000 raised, so I can't uh, say enough uh, thanks to family and friends and the former colleagues of mine across the country that have joined in to support me in this year's virtual walk. And we're calling it this year, Walk Where You Are, James. So that's why I was walking here in Kenora. And for the sixth year in a row, uh, I will have a team as well. And the same idea, my teammates will be walking in their own individual neighbourhoods um, for the greater good and to, to keep in mind the public health restrictions around COVID-19. Uh, Ferg, for those who haven't heard you on with me in the past, uh, you are a survivor. Uh, how long have you been a survivor, first of all? What number are you at now? So I was uh, diagnosed uh, back in early 2014. I had my surgery. Uh, I had a T-U-R-B-T. If people go on bladdercancercanada.org, they can see all the details with respect to that. So basically two tumors were removed from inside my bladder. I had non-muscle invasive bladder cancer. Um, and uh, I then underwent uh, treatments with BCG. And that was eight, about 18 treatments over a course of two years. And I'd like to say I've been all clear ever since March 2014. I now go for an annual checkup uh, with my urologist. Uh, it's called a cystoscopy. They go up through the ureter with a, with a camera and check the inside of your bladder. And you can have a peek at the inside of your bladder. And luckily, the last time we had a look, it was all clear. Well, congratulations. Uh, how common is uh, your situation amongst people who've had bladder cancer? Uh, you know, uh, non-muscle invasive bladder cancer, if you get it early, I was very fortunate. I, uh, 
I had a really aggressive uh, uh, MD, and he said, look, it, uh, you've never had a CT scan. You've got some abdominal issues. Uh, that an acupuncture that I, acupuncturist that I had seen, she said, go back to your doctor. There's something more going on in there. So they did a CT scan. And they found something in the bladder. I was off to Sunnybrook Hospital to see my urologist, Dr. Ron Kodama, and he said, oh, this shouldn't be a big issue. Got in there, got them early, and, you know, there, there's the result. Uh, I'm all clear. So the big thing is get it early. Our campaign about see red, see your doctor is all about if you see blood in your urine, that is one of the most common signs of bladder cancer. And I'm sure Dr. Zlata can validate and verify that if you see blood, even if it's once, you should see your doctor and ensure that there's no issues with the bladder. Yes, Dr. Zlata, let's talk about the basics of bladder cancer because many people still don't know how common it really is. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, bladder cancer is the uh, little known cancer in the, in the fact that many people know the relationship between smoking, for instance, and lung cancer, but they completely forget that there is an equal direct relationship between smoking and bladder cancer. And it's actually the fourth most common cancer in men, the ninth in, in, in ladies, so about the fifth or sixth total. And it is actually the most expensive uh, cancer to treat in our society because of the high recurrence risk. FERC was lucky not to have it, uh, but it's some, some, something which is really clear. Just before jumping on, on your show, and that I really appreciate and enjoy, I was actually reviewing a large international study where they had gathered 5,000 of these non-muscle invasive bladder cancers, and the recurrence risk overall, whether in Europe or in North America, was 50% 5-0. The good thing, however, and I get back to Ferg's problem when he first presented, is that only about 10 to 15% of men and women will have what we call a progression from a disease which is localized to the lining and the superficial layers of the bladder to a more invasive disease. So that's the reassuring news. That is reassuring. Um, in terms of the two types of bladder cancer, so the, the one that Ferg did not have, can you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, non Muscle invasive bladder cancer is a, a disease which I often call the tigers. The disease goes basically into the muscle, and if the disease has, has got the ability to go into the muscle, unfortunately, like for your mom, Jane, it has also the ability at one point to leave the bladder and become right. really life-threatening. That's really the issue. And sadly enough, still in 2020, about 20 to 30 percent of men and women present with that advanced disease, mainly because many don't have the first line or neglect the first line. And I have to say that, unfortunately, we've seen recently a couple of of people who were waiting for COVID times to get better and then kind of buried their head into the sand. They did see some blood, but they didn't uh, uh, consult uh, quickly enough. So I think at any time when you see blood in the urine or you see major changes or pain when urinating, you have to consult. So you go through your doctor first, your family doctor, and you insist to see a urologist so you can rule out bladder cancer. Is that how it works? Absolutely. And don't lose time. I think 
as the um, the ads in, in the subway uh, were were promoting, uh, when you see red on the ye- yellow lemon, that's clearly the sign to consult right away. You mentioned about how it's less common in women. Uh, I noticed you said ninth. It's the ninth most common cancer. It used to be the 12th. Uh, so that's interesting. But the case with my mom, had it been diagnosed much earlier, she would still be here with us because, as you said, the cancer left the primary site. And once that happens, uh, I know you have cured uh, some patients in that scenario, but it's highly unlikely. So, uh, you know, typically, as was my mom's case, her her family doctor kept giving her antibiotics for urinary tract infections rather than getting her tested for bladder cancer. So you really have to push, right, Dr. Slaughter, when you're a woman, if you have blood in your urine, you have to push to see a urologist. Absolutely. The, the, the confounding factor, as you know, is that ladies in general may have a little bit more commonly urinary infections. And I think Again, we, a urinary infection is not equaling bladder cancer, but with blood or with repeated urinary infection, you can't let this happening without checking that what your mom has is not the, the problem. And that really becomes an urgency. Ferg, uh, 100%, and this always impresses me about Bladder Cancer Canada, 100% of the money raised for the walk goes to the cause, research and patient support. Talk about how unique that is and how Bladder Cancer Canada is able to do this. Well, our, Jane, our, our administrative costs are well under 10%. And the reason for that is, and thankfully for our organization, all of our staff work from home. Uh, they, they have virtual offices. And so we had that before COVID. So we were ahead of that curve, certainly, with respect to serving our patient community. So, you know, at less than 10%, that is, is really admirable for, for any not-for-profit. And we've got a wonderful group of volunteers who... Uh, who help out with discussion forums. One of our, our co-founders, Jack Moon, is very involved with our discussion forums, as well as uh, a number of volunteers. Each member on our board takes on certain responsibilities with respect to helping to manage tasks with staff. And uh, we continue to do outreach. You know, our other co-founder, David Gutman, uh, continues to be a strong voice in the community uh, for patient advocacy. And I just know, because I've referred many patients into our organization at Bladder Cancer Canada, that we are there to look after our patient community and support their caregivers. And that's number one in our mandate is, is, is patient support. And if somebody has bladder cancer, has just been diagnosed with bladder cancer, uh, you would encourage them to get in touch with Bladder Cancer Canada to receive that kind of support. Absolutely. And, and on our website, bladdercancercanada.org, we have a number of resources. We have patient guidebooks on there that are downloadable, or we can print them and send them to patients. There's a discussion forum on that website where if someone would like to participate in conversations with anonymity, they can. They can get in there. They can talk to other patients that have been along this journey. In fact, I had a friend of mine in Calgary refer a friend of his who is now a patient um, and is going to uh, lose his bladder. He's going to have a radical cystectomy. So he's looking to talk to somebody about what those options are for him because there are a number of options, which perhaps Dr. Zlata might like to give you a little more feedback on.
Yes, and if if you are a bladder cancer patient, please, I would encourage you to call in before 1 o'clock. If you have any questions uh, for Dr. Zlata or for Ferg Devins, uh, both are experts in their areas uh, with regards to bladder cancer. In fact, Dr. Zlata is a world-renowned uro-oncologist, so uh, it's pretty special to have him here with us today. And that's why I would encourage you to call if you do have bladder cancer or a loved one with bladder cancer. You may have some questions that you don't want to wait to ask till the next time you see your specialist. 416-360-0740, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Again, the numbers, 416-360-0740, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Dr. Zlata, just piggybacking there on what Ferg was talking about. People can live very well without their bladders, right? And that removes the cancer. If the cancer hasn't spread, they can live a normal life with some adjustments. Absolutely. I I think that as difficult as it is to imagine that one loses her or his bladder, um, all the studies in our experience has been that actually uh, patients adapt uh, you know, incredibly well. And today, I remember a gentleman who uh, was actually a ski champion well into his 70s with cystectomy and another person who was an athlete. So it doesn't prevent uh, people from working, from, for, from living a quasi-normal life. Now, as Ferg mentioned, uh, more and more, especially when the, the disease is confined to the bladder but hasn't um, invaded deeper into the nodes or outside of the bladder. For tumors which are unilateral, single, with a certain size, usually less than three inches, and that don't push on the ureter so that there's no swelling of the ureter. Uh, Studies have shown now that preserving the bladder by scraping the tumor like Ferg had, which is called the TRDT, given chemotherapy and radiation therapy can actually provide a long-term result, keeping the bladder about the same. So this is, as you may imagine, fairly exciting. It's done throughout Canada now and and North America, and it's gaining more and more traction. Um, After um, I certainly, I always want to provide a, a light at the end of the tunnel. I think that we're currently seeing an exponential number of new drugs and therapies, and I, I will be happy to, to discuss that. And basically, we're moving from one size fits all type of treatment where all patients receive the same type of therapy to a personalized, individualized type of therapy in bladder cancer. I want to read along here with my guests, Dr. Alex Lada uh, and Ferg Devins with Bladder Cancer Canada, an email I received uh, from the partner of a gentleman who had donated to my team uh, for several years. His name was Gord Lehu, uh, his partner of 35 years, Yetta Helm, and she reached out to me to let me know that Gord passed away on June 26th this year with bladder cancer. He was first diagnosed in November of 2018. In January of 2019, he had his bladder removed and was handling all the implications of that, doing really well. Uh, And then in September of 2019, they went on a cruise 
They'd been on several cruises, she said, and in fact, he was fine until early December. They went to Collingwood. Gord was a part-time ski instructor at Blue Mountain for 50 years. And while he did not say so, she says she thinks he just wanted one last run, and that last run was on Boxing Day. And then he had a terrible time um, between the beginning of the new year and when he passed away, and COVID-19 played into that as well. She says he only received one chemo treatment before it was stopped due to the pandemic, and then he became too ill for more. But Gord really believed, uh, Ferg, he believed in Bladder Cancer Canada. He believed in these walks and the efforts uh, that individuals across the country, yourself included, survivors, who are continuing to fight for a cure. Well, you know, Jane, it's, it's stories like that that remind us that our walk raises the majority of our annual revenue. And it's it's people like Gord and their families, uh, like you, in memory of your mom, uh, that really help us ensure that we have funds coming into the organization. And so we really strongly encourage. We're a, we're a patient walk. We're a patient and caregiver walk. That's who's walking for Bladder Cancer Canada across this country in September. It's patients. It's caregivers. It's those who are perhaps walking in memory of a loved one. And that's really the foundation of our support for Bladder Cancer Canada to ensure that we can do this ongoing work for our patient community. Let me ask you this, Ferg. Why why is raising money for research for bladder cancer being left up to survivors and family and friends of survivors? Why is the federal government not stepping up and doing more? Well, there's just, there's just so much competition in this space. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's thanks to uh, donors, thanks to supporters across the country, thanks to a number of pharma companies that uh, help us along the way with donations and support for our programs, Jane. Uh, we're able to provide these, these services to our patient community. Uh, you know, love to think that we could have governments stepping up uh, and, and, and pouring dollars in. And when you hear doctors Lotta talk about new research and new immunotherapy, a new opportunity for treatment that's on the horizon. You just think, man, if we could just have, you know, a significant amount of support, we may actually be able to fund these researchers. A lot of them who are world-leading researchers right here in Canada find that cure, find that treatment, find that difference for patients. Right. So- I want to go to Alan in Toronto. Alan has a question for Dr. Zlata. Go ahead. Yes, good afternoon. Um, many of the programs I listen to on subjects similar to this talk about the things you've talked about so far, but there's very, very little emphasis placed on uh, prevention. I've read many epidemiological reports that show that certain people in the world who follow certain diets have very, very low rates of bladder cancer and many other cancers as well. And also um, the, the issue of chlorinated drinking water is uh, pervasive in many of these reports that I've read. So I would like the doctor to comment on two things uh, under the prevention aspect of this, which are dietary factors and also pertaining to uh, chlorine and get bladder cancer in tap water. Okay. Thank you. Alan, let's uh, go to Dr. Zlata about prevention of bladder cancer. I think, of course, it's it's more than a valid question. The major problem with prevention is that in order to prove something beyond doubt, you most of the time need what we, what we call 
randomized studies. And that the evidence which is brought by studies that you refer to, which is certainly of interest, and which suggests that some type of waters or actually drinking more water would decrease by diluting uh, and increasing the dwell time with some of the toxic agents, is of importance. I would have a tendency to say that um, if people drink a lot of water uh, and if they uh, remove from the equation uh, things like smoking, um, this is already a big, big step forward uh, in terms of prevention. And environmental chemicals are an issue as well, right? Absolutely. And so people who have been exposed to dyes, people who are being exposed to fumes or to some industries, for sure. And I think there's a big effort to be done in those industries to protect people working there. Absolutely. Time is flying, as it always does with both of you gentlemen. I want to get to as many callers as I can. Donna in Newmarket, uh, what would you like to add? Yeah, I'd like to tell you that my father had butter cancer for 35 years. He died at the age of 100. And uh, each time he went, he just got it burned off and came home and he was fine until it finally went up the tubes. And the doctor said it is too small an area to even touch it. And he wanted to operate on him. And my dad says, no, 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 no. So he died a very painful death. But his was environmental. He sat in a room full of eight smokers with no doors or window outlets. Yes. That's how he got his. Well, thank you for sharing your story, Donna. That That's pretty remarkable, Dr. Zlata. Yeah, and, and it also highlights that what I was saying, that it's not one size fits all. What we can often do is when people are followed and monitored, like Ferg or the dad of this lady, we can indeed, whenever there's a tiny small recurrence and we know that the tumor initially looked and was a pussycat, you actually can simply burn it. And this avoids uh, additional uh, treatments and additional surgeries. And so that's something reasonably common, yes. Let's go to Peter in Brampton. Peter, just a minute left here, if you could tell us quickly your story. Oh, hi. Uh, I'm 78 years old. I'm a 10-year survivor of bladder cancer. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. I had a new bladder made out of my intestines uh, by a very special surgeon, uh, which, of course... I think has contributed to my longevity. The only thing is I'm now finding I'm losing weight. Could it be related to that in any way that I'm not ingesting the food properly? Okay, Dr. Zlata? Yeah, I mean, so um, you had what's called a neobladder, which indeed is a surgery which is uh, performed by several uh, your oncologists um, in in, in Canada. Uh, There are several, and Indeed, it kind of replaces the bladder, although it's, a, it's not exactly the, uh, the bladder because you, I'm sure, you have, unfortunately, to wake up at night, so yeah. you don't uh, descend your bladder. But this bladder is also t- made of bowel, small bowel. And sometimes what can happen is that by removing a certain length of bowel, the absorption of some elements can be compromised. So most of the time, what we recommend when there's a a weight loss is to get back to your urologist or your physician, do a blood work, and make sure that there are not some deficiencies, especially, or some some workup, which certainly would be um, reasonable in your case. But it's really great to hear that you're doing so well, and and you're the the testimony that, you know, uh, people live and live well 
uh, despite having had their bladder removed. Thank you, yeah. Peter. Thanks for calling Thank in. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, Ferg, I'll give the last word to you. En- encourage our listeners uh, that it is worthwhile taking some of their charitable dollars and, and sending them along to Bladder Cancer Canada. Count on us to support our patients, to raise awareness of the fund research. You can do that by this Bladder Cancer Awareness Walkabout at bccwalk.ca. That's bccwalk.ca. Jane, thank you and the Zoomer team for helping us fight back bladder cancer. Oh, it's my, it's my pleasure. And really, I thank Zoomer Media uh, for allowing me the opportunity to do this every year. Uh, thank you both. Uh, we could have gone another half hour, maybe an hour, <laughs> but it, time is always limited. So I appreciate you taking it on Labor Day. Thanks thank so much, Jane. Ferg Devins. Thank you, yes, both of you. Ferg Devins, Chair of Bladder Cancer Canada. He's also a survivor. And Dr. Alex Lada, Director of Urooncology at Mount Sinai Hospital, Professor at the University of Toronto, and a member of Bladder Cancer Canada's Medical Research Board. And I would be honoured if you would put your money towards my team uh, this year as well. There's a link at zoomerradio.ca. Have a wonderful rest of your Labor Day, and I will check back in with you on the news at 5.30 tomorrow morning. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.